Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're gonna love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, but at the moment, because the biggest show in the world is happening, we're bringing a a guest on every week to discuss House of the Dragon, along with another show. So we're up to episode four of House of the Dragon, but... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Lexi Cartwright, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Very happy to be here. I love nothing more than talking about this show. So Lexi joined us on our first House of the Dragon episode uh, where we were re-entering the world of Westeros. Um, But Ali, what are we discussing this week? Okay, well, Hot D, episode four, and what an episode. This is just so much to talk about. But when we get through that, we've got a new six-part documentary series called The Anarchist. Completely different, but really cool to break that one down. And then Lexi's going to give us her dinner party recommendation, a recommendation from the Binge Library, a show that you would want to tell your friends about when you're hopefully having dinner with them. So that is what we're going to do today. Mm, Stay tuned. Hot D, can we get into it? From my blood come the prince that was promised and his will be the song of ice and fire the house of the dragon will stand as one for a further generation who will it be the brother they name me king of the narrow sea the daughter your courtship is at an end so i can be a remedy for your political headache you are my political headache Little of three. I need you guys to guide me here on what topics we're going to focus on because my mind is all over the place. That so much happened in this episode. I think we all know what we're talking about, right? I mean, obviously the incestual sex scene in the in the, in the brothel in the pleasure house, whatever they call oh. it. So for the last few episodes, we've been saying, oh, what's going on between, you know, Millie Alcock's character and Matt Smith's character, uncle and niece, you know, prince, princess. And they seem like they're kindred spirits. They seem like they've got so much in common. And this episode was just oh, on so many levels because what is real emotion, what is power play, what was mm. deceit. Yeah, that's the biggest question I have, Ali, after watching that. I mean, we'll go into it in a second, but I can't figure out his motive there. And I think... I think Damon's motive with, you know, having sex with his niece, Renera, was obviously a power play. He wanted to marry her. And by taking her virtue, you know, he he knew he was putting Viserys in a really difficult position. Exactly. And we know he's not kind of motivated necessarily by the physical contact because of whatever's going on downstairs for him there. But the fact that, yeah, it would almost trap her in a position where she could be blackmailed or he could blackmail the king. So, again, just the double crossing of a young girl having effectively her first sexual experience she sneaks out of the red keep she goes out into kind of the real world he's exposing her to what lies outside the castle in that you know dresses up as a page boy and has this quite exhilarating experience doesn't she it's very do you know what it was giving me like x-rated aladdin it was Jasmine. <laughs> it was Jasmine coming out for the yeah. first time yeah it was seeing really a show and, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really really fun to watch. And then it just became very hard to swallow. Yeah. So we jumped, so we have jumped a little bit into the episode. I feel like where we get to what we've just talked about is 
this episode sort of starts out like Bachelorette. Like she's getting <laughs> she's getting pitched like seven year olds and like twelve year olds to marry. Like there's a real <laughs> focus on she is come of age. Who is she going to marry? Like that's sort of where we start this episode. And then by the end of this episode, we have got multiple physical slash romantic people in the mix. Yeah. So end of at three, her, her father says, you have to get married. It's not going to change, but I'll at least give you the grace to choose who you want to marry. Um, you'll have the right to choose, you know, your suitors. That's kind of cool. So she then goes off on quite a protracted world tour um, to meet lots of different suitors, doesn't she? And, you know, what doesn't end well for one of them, that's for sure. But there's that theme going on. But the fact that the expectation, of course, is that she's a maiden. She is, is a virgin. And not only does she have this sexual experience with her uncle, Prince Damon, and then her second sexual experience of her life but in the episode that follows quite shortly after and there's been a lot of chemistry and and kind of connection between a lot of chemistry yeah it was Sir <laughs> Kristen um which was a beautiful sex scene by the way the what music it? it was really lovely and romantic it was like okay that was really dirty and gross before but now she's getting this pretty soon after so it was like okay let's just forget that thing with Damon happened this is that, your first time that's so true though Lex because it was like she was having a kind of she, with all the different people out there and you know who she could have made married off to or whatever and in some ways I was like if she's losing her full virginity here in the softest nicest way to actually someone that she likes and knows and has kind of spent the last few years you know hanging out with quite a lot and it was it was a really beautiful scene but a lot at risk for him a lot mm. at risk for her and yeah she kind of comes back from her adventures outside the castle probably awakened and curious sexually and then and, and falls into that but do we want to talk about what actually happened between her and her uncle because yeah I thought even that was shot quite well they were kissing there was a lot of action going on people were kind of getting naked but did he take her virginity I was going to ask that same question I didn't know if I was alone in not knowing what the hell happened there and he kind of stopped and and she was trying to you know kiss him again and he kind of stopped and then just fled the room and I was like does that allude to you know what we saw in the first episode where he's having some kind of erectile dysfunction issues or <laughs> or is he just I don't know having a brain snap and he's like I don't want to be here I don't know how to read that either yeah because I kind of thought he did the damage he knew people would see he knew he'd confuse her she obviously doesn't know at that point potentially what you know full sexual experience is did he kind of take it far enough to confuse the situation but to stop short or mm. yeah I, I was a bit and then why wouldn't you just do it I mean they're not above incest let's be honest so why wouldn't you just go through with it? It's his niece. Um, he's viewed her like a little sister. And I think it was purely a power play, purely for his own benefit and not something he wanted to go through with. But it felt like, I mean, this is later down the track, but but Renera tells Alison that it didn't happen. Mm. There's so many things to talk about. Okay, so let's say, and we're projecting ahead, we don't know what will happen. Well, I don't know what happened. I haven't read the book. Um, if she does end up with Damon, and he isn't producing heirs because of a physical or psychological reason. And she does become the queen and his way to get power is by marrying her. And then he's kind of a default king because the two of them would be the bosses. They wouldn't have an heir because he's mm. not fully sexually completing. So even that's interesting if that's where the story goes. I did wonder if it does go there or if the truth ultimately comes out and this power play comes back. But how interesting how it ends up. A, Renee lied to her best friend, the queen. She lied to her father. She lied to their faces quite easily, really, didn't she? So it almost sets mm. up the sense that she too will know how to play this system. And also, did you guys notice during this, it was like a sequence. So they had, 
you know, Renera living this free, liberated life, being intimate with Damon, and then they were crossing to Alison and Viserys having sex. And, you know, she basically looked lifeless. And the juxtaposition between that, it just really illustrates the dynamic between the two women. And I think once we see them get older, Alison is going to become more resentful, you know, because she's done what she's been bred to do, which is just duty and producing an heir. And Renera is kind of a free spirit. And I think that is another factor that's going to ultimately, you know, pit them against one another. Renera or like sort of stumbles over her words when she's talking to Alison about like, oh, I don't want to just be like a baby oven and in a tower making children and it's like well, that's exactly what Alison is in that yeah. moment. Because I felt like they were kind of coming back together a little bit. I was like I kind yeah. of got the sense that maybe the wedge wasn't there but I thought it was more a juxtaposition of like free will or lack of free will because even mm. though Renera has got some freedoms coming through her, her privilege she's ultimately enjoying it while she's got it and it will become more constrained one would imagine but then yeah, you've got a lack of free will, even when you're the queen and you've got lots of other things. And the king seems pretty nice. You know, he's not a monster, but you kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's. I think this is where this t- the tale of women and their life in Westeros will really start to come through, doesn't it? The kind of dual yeah, tracking of their life. It's just sitting there watching it as you know a woman in 2022 who's able to you know pursue anything I want, do anything I want, feel empowered by all the women around me. It's so jarring to watch and and see that, you know, women were so oppressed like this. One thing that hasn't changed, however, and this comes back to sort of the power play that you were talking about in the in the brothel or wherever they were, is doing pleasure it in house. such sorry, house, um, doing it in <laughs> such a public environment does then lead to these rumors and Otto Hightower sort of confronting the king about what he's heard from people on the street. So if that was the plan, it worked because it, it got the word out that uh, Renera is running around and doing crazy things, but mm. I'm not sure it's entirely maybe works out how they were planning. And Damon knew that because he's been dubbed on several times by Otto's sources as we saw in the first episode, that's why he got banished in the first place. So he knew that that was going to leak back. Do we want to talk about Otto and what happens to him at the end? Yes, please, because this is the other really big theme, isn't it? Huge, huge. And it's definitely definitely going to set the tone for things that happen going forward. This is not the last we are going to see of him. He's been a loyal hand for many kings, I think three kings, and he's calculating. We've seen this, you know, despite him hiding it well, he's very manipulative and he's highly ambitious and his daughter is the queen so getting rid of him is just not going to happen and now he's bitter and has motive for revenge and I just don't think Viserys thought this through because you know with all of the contacts and sources that he has he is capable of tearing this house down and my guess is he will because yeah in every episode you almost have another um, powerful person in the kingdom aligning with Damon, don't you? So mm. they just continue to kind of peel off from the king um, and kind of find themselves a motley crew of, of, of disgruntled um, rejectors. <laughs> so, yeah, gosh, the idea that his grandson could be the king, his daughter, is uh, Alison's loyalty is going to come into this, isn't she? She's blindly chosen to believe Renea and stand by her king. But I touched on it in last week's episode. Do we feel like the king's drinking too much? 
Because that continued yes. through this episode, didn't yes. it? Yes, yes. He is so complex, isn't he? And um, shout out to Paddy Considine, the actor. He plays it so well, but he has some issues. And also his infection that he's been dealing with for like years now, that has to mean something. That's got to go be somewhere. going to his brain, isn't it? Like even if you have like a pussy tooth, they tell you to get it out fast. So like, yeah, if he's got, I mean, the, the maggot scene and Ep2, like <laughs> with his hand Ooh. and yeah, God. So there's something, this is the kind of the big, the maddening of King George kind of thing, isn't it? Like it mm. felt a little bit like what's happening here. Oh, do you think we're getting another mad Targaryen king in Viserys Alley? His grief, his drinking, his split loyalty, I think the natural leadership skill of a king or kind of someone bred for that position because he, he was kind of a, a late life ring in, wasn't he, um, mm. in terms of the line. So I just, yeah, I just feel like they're all just distractions from him realising what's happening around Well, he him. also, and another big realisation he had in this episode was when he was talking to Otto and he was standing him down, he said, I've only just realised that Alison was put in front of me at a very vulnerable time. He's just realised that. So duh. potentially, yeah, <laughs> potentially, you know, that's going to stew away at him as well, that he feels like he's in this sort of arranged situation with someone who took advantage of him. And he thought he had free will in choosing, to, again, he kind of chose to marry her rather than... Well, the, it was better than the 12-year-old, let's true, be fair. That, that would have been a better, you know, connection for other reasons, you yes. know, for political reasons wasn't it but yeah he's like I I got to marry for choice so can you Renea and it's like maybe not yeah mm. also guys we we neglected to mention the very beginning of this episode when Damon comes back to King's Landing he's got, got a, a haircut yeah he's got a haircut. <laughs> it's Ellen DeGeneres what is going on I I liked the lengthy Targaryen hair but I suppose he's just won you know a big war and a big battle he kind of had to come back a new man but I don't think maybe he got blown off with the dragon flames singed yeah. or something. Yeah, I was like, wow, you had a haircut. But even the way they were hanging out in the courtyard and just chatting, you know, they just they they just feel very natural together, don't they? There's just this simmering kind of connection and sexual tension See, there. I, I was thinking it this whole way along, but I didn't want to say it out loud because I was like, no, no, surely not. But it, it was, it was there. And I think this won't be the last of them two. But we didn't see them um, interact after their little episode in the Pleasure House. So I don't know what she'll be thinking of it, what he'll be thinking of it, how they're going to actually be okay going forward. Because I don't imagine she was very pleased that he just left her there. And the other thing that did come out of the rumours that swirled throughout the palace was the king basically told the princess who she's going to marry. He stopped the like, oh, I'll give you free will to, she, he's just like, nope, you're going to go marry Lainor, Alaren, like, let's get this done. Yeah. You've, I gave you freedom. You took too long. You've upset me. Bang. Yeah. And she agreed to. I mean, she hasn't been exactly accommodating this whole way along and she agreed to. So maybe she's had her experience with our lovely Sir Criston and now she, she's like, okay, duty first. Uh, so I think I know the answer to this, but the water cooler moment or moments of this of this week's episode. I mean, we've talked a lot about the pleasure house. It's got to be that, right? Yeah. I think the the running theme. It, it's interesting because Game of Thrones, you know, incest, uh, Jamie and Cersei. It was it was we knew it was happening. It became to a point where we were almost immune to it. But this was like particularly uncomfortable. I don't know if it is because you know. We've seen her as such a young character. You know, it's gone over the years um, and it just feels like her uncle is manipulating her and then the incest and then the first sexual experience. There's just, it was just a next level of uncomfortable for me. 
So episode five will be streaming for you uh, Monday, 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time for you on Binge. Otherwise, the first four episodes are streaming for you right now. And of course, every episode of Game of Thrones is also streaming for you right now on Binge. This is a vile accusation. Who is responsible for this gossip? I will take their eyes. It is not in Rhaenyra's nature to be deceitful. I cannot say the same for your brother. The new HBO documentary series, The Anarchists, follows the attendees of the Anacapoco conference in Mexico. Is that that like Acapulco? Yep, it's in Acapulco. Um, (laughs) That draws visitors from around the world drawn to the anarchist lifestyle, free of governments, but full of cryptocurrencies, fugitives, and swearing children. Everyone thinks anarchy is uh, do whatever you want. Anarchy just means self-ownership the most peaceful ideology in the world. The state has oppressed me since birth. I was wanting more freedom and wanting to be controlled less. We wanted a pure anarchist life for our kids. Related Mexico is a solution. What would you think about conference in Mexico? People just like you and I, who question authority, who want to live differently in Acapulco. It will change your life. No, we don't want anarchist people here. So I know we just talked about House of the Dragon. Kids get up to some weird stuff, but the anarchists opens with this scene of this family like tearing up books and throwing them into a bonfire and the kids just swearing their heads off. And we learn that this family is living the anarchist lifestyle down in Acapulco. Part of the anarchist lifestyle apparently is letting your kids swear. So that is just one of the many insane moments um, in this new six-part documentary. I went into this not knowing too much about anarchy. I think um, I just thought it was, you know, people I knew, yeah, I knew people going nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, and the people that are living the anarchist lifestyle and have moved to um, Mexico to escape big government and central banks and all the crazy Facebook stuff that they've been infected with, they go out of their way to keep trying to explain to you their definition of anarchy because I think when they tell people they're anarchists, they get the uh, expected response, which is what the hell's wrong with you? Their version of anarchy is just freedom. Freedom from governments and banks and rules and Yeah, ta- cryptocurrency and blockchain and, and yeah. freedom. But don't you think they're just Rick branded wrong? Because, yeah, aside from the burning book scene, as it was going through, I was like, is the guy who kind of set up the first conference, the Canadian entrepreneur guy, is he bad? Does he have a moment where he comes through it? Like there's like all these, it's like some people kind of talking, they were Bad anarchist, good anarchist. I was like, who's the hero here? Or like, I, I don't think there's a hero in this. Yeah, but they yeah. were like, it wasn't, there was a, maybe there was an obvious villain either. It's probably the better way to put it. And I was like, why do you have to call yourself an anarchist? Just go choose to live off grid and like never want to leave you alone. Like I yeah. was like, are they that angry? Or is this where it builds? I haven't seen all the episodes. So maybe there's like a big point they get to where it becomes a little bit more yeah. violent or I think like I think what's interesting is, unsurprisingly, this isn't the most well-organized group of people. Um, and that's also part of their philosophy is that, they, you know, they're not organized and they don't have people telling them what to do and blah, blah, blah. But they are trying to come together and live under this sort of vague lifestyle that they're calling anarchy. And I think what what is interesting, and to your point, Ali, is there are some people who for them, it's just like they don't like the way their kids are getting taught at school, which isn't like an insane thought for a parent to have. But that then snowballs into, well, I don't want to pay taxes and I don't want to live in America 
America and I shouldn't be told like what frequency my phone works on. And it just like gets and weirder and weirder. And, illegal and those are the people that... And those are the types of people that are angry, right? Yeah. They do get angry. It just, and it snowballs. And then it gets to the point where it's like, well, I don't believe in law. Yeah. But then money comes into it because they get into crypto and then they start, it's like, so. They start to make a lot of money and. Guys, I'm I'm coming into this blind because I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. How are they living? How are they making money? There is sort of this thread of crypto because they all jump on crypto very early because to them Mm -hmm. it fits into their um, sort of narrative of not having centralized banks and blah, blah, blah. So some of them have made money on crypto. The other thing is that the people that get attracted to this tend to have like sold a business or were like big in tech in the nineties. And then they actually are coming from like a place of privilege because they have the money to go and move to Mexico and do conferences. But the same people who whinge about not paying taxes usually have a lot of money and they don't want to, <laughs> and they don't want to give up a bit of it. So it's the, yeah. it's the same people who think taxation is theft and I've made all this money myself and you, the government should, shouldn't get a piece of it. So it's just this really interesting snapshot of these different people who've come to it for different reasons, but are all sort of anti-government, anti-control, control but but it gets interesting because it kind of sets up the movement doesn't it then it talks about kind of the money and the crypto and how the money kind of comes into their little world there's like every year the conferences the annual conference is getting bigger and more people it's bringing more people and people come to the conference and a lot of them don't leave and they kind of just go leave in Mexico. mexico yeah but then there's a death And then that kind of, I think, busts them open a little bit. Like, is there a murder amongst them? Watching it, you feel like you're watching a cult documentary because there is sort of this leader guy. I love a cult. Yeah, so there's (laughs) sort of this leader guy. Um, But also because there's no like strong leader with all these rules because that's the antithesis of what they're after it's this like really poorly organized cult um, where everyone has their own thoughts on how it should be run. And but as Ali says, something kind of happens and it sort of blows it up. And again, whenever any group of people get together and like try to find a new way to live or like, oh, you know, I know the best way to organize society or whatever. It Hello, always, lost. It, always, it, always, <laughs> it always derails and someone dies and it explodes. And that's kind of what this documentary is about. HBO do this so well where they just dive into this like weird, interesting subculture of people who's are living very different lives. And it's, it's a fascinating watch, but it's just so different to my day-to-day. It's also quite confronting in places. Yeah. A lot like House of the Dragon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All six episodes of The Anarchists are streaming for you right now on Binge. An Hold anarchist has been shot today. The tragic situation. There was some sketchy stuff happening behind the scenes. You need to stop or there's going to be serious consequences. You listen or you die. I heard bang, bang, bang. I'm scared out of my mind. There was a legitimate fear that there's a bomb at the conference. Are we strong? So, Lexi, this is a part of the podcast where Ali and I usually give our dinner party recommendations, but because we have a guest with us, we would love to hear from you what it is that you want the world to be watching on Binge. Okay, guys. Well, I was at a dinner party recently and Succession came up. Now, I'm obsessed with with Succession and everyone, this is six people at the dinner party, had not yet seen it. So I went on a, like a long winding rant about how it's the most cleverly written show I have ever seen on television. It's got the best characters on TV. Season four is currently filming. And I think the season three finale, I'm calling it, was one of the best season finales I have ever seen in my life. So if you are one of those people, i.e. my dinner party friends, 
that have not seen Succession get on board now before season four comes out. It is the best. Okay, so Alex, let's just wind back a bit. Uh, you might need some new friends, like six mm. people that haven't, uh, no one else around the table is joining you in your succession obsession. No. Um, uh, did you convince them by the end of the dinner party? I did. One of them, one of my darling friends went home and watched a few episodes and absolutely loves it. Cousin Greg has gotten her over the line, <laughs> as he always does. Um, so I'm just slowly, you know, trying to convince the world that this is the best show on television. One of the best shows on television. Well, I think it might be John Baum's favourite show in the history of the world. John, you're a bit of a succession freak. What are the things when Lex next sees her friends she can remind them as to why it's so brilliant, including the writers and some of the other stuff that they've done? Like I love to just remind people how funny the show is. Like mm. um, I think so it's, easy to, it's easy to think it's a bit businessy and corporate but it is hilarious. Cousin Greg, a great example. Um, but I would also say... If you're watching House of the Dragon or have enjoyed Game of Thrones, like Succession broadly is telling a really similar story with like just as high stakes with billionaires taking over media empires. Like it's not- Intense family drama. Intense family drama. Like if you like House of the Dragon, if you like Game of Thrones, you will love Succession. Funny yeah. without trying. It is yes. just so witty and funny. And as we said, Cousin Greg, that's just one example. Cousin Greg is only as good as his dynamic with Tom. Cousin Greg and Tom. Like I've, oh. I, I've been served up TikToks where it's just the two of them, <laughs> it's just the two of them making eyes. Like- <laughs> and thankfully they're not they're not blood related so it's not weird yeah it's but, fine it's that hot yeah. and cold dynamic yeah but john it's jesse armstrong isn't it like in yes. terms of what he wrote to it peep show like it, it's it's an american show but it i feel like it brings like british humor sensibility to it again with hbo so much money is thrown on the screen helicopters and lavish mansions and australia's sarah those, snook those like, like it is well scenes, so, yeah, Succession season four can't come soon enough. And I think, John, when you and I talked about this oh, probably earlier in the year when we are talking about the shows that got us through 2021 and lockdown, we were saying, oh, to be a person that has yet to discover Succession because you've got 30-odd got 30 episodes. episodes of some of the best television in the world. It gets better with every season. So, Lex, you've got six friends that have got 30 hours of Awesome television in front of them. Awesome television. And you're right, that you couldn't have said it better. It gets even better as the seasons go on. Like I said, the season three finale. Whoa, still recovering. Yeah, long may it long may it continue. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. We will we will get you back for season four. Yes. Yes, yes please. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Check it. Born on the North Bank, king of the east side, 50 years strong, now he's rolling in a sick ride, handmade suits, raking in loot, five-star general, y'all best salute, yo, bitches be no. happy, but the king oh is dead, no, no, I read it, it is burning my eyes, but I cannot look away. Lexi, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm sure we will have you back because the, this show just keeps giving us stuff to talk about. And as Ali mentioned, it. we've got six more episodes to go. But this week we did discuss episode four, which is streaming for you now on Binge. We also talked about the anarchists. And Lexi, of course, very rightly suggested that if you have not watched Succession, to start watching Succession. Um, all of these shows are streaming for you now on Binge. My name is John Boehm, joined by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more House of the Dragon and more Skip Intro. Mm-hmm.